Hi, thanks for joining. We are not our secrets. I have a special guest today, Nicole. She's a former model and she is also a trauma survivor and she will be disclosing many of her encounters throughout her lifetime. She suffered from PTSD and I welcome her today. I thank her for her bravery. And how are you doing today, Nicole? Hey, thank you for asking. No, I'm doing great. Um, I hope you were well. Um, I do just want to very quickly clarify if it's okay. I have um, complex PTSD, meaning that it comes from, it stems from multiple instances of trauma and abuse. Um, so it's attached to multiple scenarios and situations as opposed to a singular event. Um, I know a lot of people here probably do have uh, complex PTSD. I do as well. Uh, so I do just want to make that clarification. But how are you? Great. Thank you for that clarification. Because oftentimes when we're speaking of trauma, we don't know all the nuances of it. So we appreciate that. I am doing fine. I am so happy that you were able to come on. I know these are difficult topics to discuss because they're open wounds all the time, but we know that we're helping others and I appreciate your bravery and for coming forward. And what I want to do with uh, Nicole is she talked to me a little bit about her background. She and I got together today. Her story is so complex that I feel it's best for me to just let her tell her story uninterrupted. So you have the platform, Nicole, and thank you so much. And go ahead and share your experience. If you do become a little emotional, then I'll step in and talk just a little bit. But otherwise, I will just let you have free reign, okay? Yeah, sure. No problem. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate the platform and the opportunity to be able to come out and hopefully share this um, with people who maybe are feeling like maybe they're alone um, or people looking for information. Um, something I'm very, very passionate about actually is talking about um, trauma. You know, how did we get there? What happened to us? And, and also, you know, where did it take us? Why do the things happen that do? And, and what can we do to help make it better? Um, that's something I used my modeling platform for um, because uh, when I was a model, actually I taught uh, many, many models. Um, I was so many people knew, and um, so I, I taught a lot of models and uh, also made friends with, with quite a few. Uh, and I found that the ones who shot um, artistic nudes, so that's uh, nude images without um, sexual, necessarily, uh, necessarily sexual body language or undertone or emotion, um, it's just nudes like you might see in a museum or an art gallery, for example. I found that the models who did that, which is quite a few of them, um, I found that they, um, all of them that I had asked, which was a high number of them because I was so open about talking about it, uh, had experienced uh, most of them sexual trauma uh, and a couple of them other types of trauma. But the vast majority, um, I can't think of any that said that they didn't experience sexual trauma. Um, but I'll still say most for the sake of statistics. Um, but everyone that I met most definitely said that they all had been. And so I found that to be quite a, a staggering statistic. Um, and so I started looking around in my life and found out that, uh, well, one, I wasn't alone. Uh, I, I asked most of the women I knew, and I was only able to really find uh, two, two women 
that I knew that had not been sexually assaulted. And even some of the men that I was brave enough to ask, um, you know, several of them had also stated, because there was fewer men in the, in the field that I was in, um, and also in the vicinity I was in, uh, you know, men and women, we kind of are kept separate. Um, and so, um, you know, even the ones that I had asked, several of them had also been assaulted uh, sexually. And so I was able to find my bravery there through those individuals um, in finding, you know, because I started looking around and stay, saying, whoa, statistically, I'm definitely nowhere near alone. And although my story uh, may be one that has these very, very big moments that, you know, that there are many of these big traumatic moments, um, although I might have more of these um, in a singular story than some might, I wasn't alone. And so in that, I found my voice. And so I'm happy to share with you today um, some of what, you know, what I've went through, some of what went on and some of what, you know, what kind of system I feel like I fell into uh, on account of that. Um, so I'll just jump right in. Um, hey, guys, you can call me Nicole. Um, I am definitely a trauma survivor. Uh, I say that <laughs> because surviving is exactly that. Sometimes it is simply surviving. Um, so I do have complex PTSD. I have the full version where um, I have, I kind of feature all of it, uh, where I have both the visual uh, hallucinations sometimes of memories that uh, are no longer current, right? Of those past memories where things around me look like ghosts, I have the auditory, the visual, the body sensations, the emotional flashbacks, which can stand alone, right? Um, so sometimes my body might flash without the memory, my mind might flash, my emotions might flash, I, I may see the visual, I may hear the sounds, I may feel the sensations in my body. Some of those things can come together and sometimes apart, and it's linked to many different traumatic events. Um, just for those who maybe are not familiar with complex uh, PTSD or PTSD in general, that's um, something that our flashback experience uh, kind of embodies uh, those things. Um, so the way that I ended up with um, complex PTSD, uh, mine was definitely started in childhood. Um, I came up as physically assaulted, sexually assaulted, emotionally assaulted, pretty much every kind of abuse um, that somebody can go through. And in a very, very, very extreme fashion. Um, some of it I can talk about pretty openly. Uh, some of it I prefer to disclose small amounts just because some of it I'm still dealing with, to be perfectly honest. There are things that sometimes we deal with um, and some, you know, that we get through pretty easy. And some of it is a work in progress for many years. Uh, for me, some of my stuff still falls in that category. Um, but anyway, so for me, the trauma started when I was a child. Um, I had a father who, uh, a father who was abusive, a stepfather who fell in the abuse category, and other family members who also, unfortunately, fell in that category, and uh, family friends. Um, so there's a lot of different types of abuse all the way around me. Uh, to give some brief examples of what some of those things might look like, just to give you an idea. Um, let's see, well, my, my biological dad, for example, um, you know, he had said, you know, I had said I'd that I loved my rabbit uh, one day and I didn't tell him I loved him. So he forced us to watch him kill my rabbit, skin it alive, cook it, and eat it. So, I mean, like, we're talking like crazy, crazy things. Um, you know, upside down, handstands against wall for punishment. And, you know, if anybody fell, everyone got beat. He was discharged uh, from the military. 
Uh, so I'm pretty sure uh, he just went rogue in a really, really bad uh, way, uh, retaliating, I think, um, a bit on that as well. He was by no means an unintelligent person, uh, although he was one uh, one of my bigger abusers. He was not the biggest, I wouldn't say, um, but he was probably tied for that position. Um, but very, very intelligent. Unfortunately, I think that contributed to my fear of him. He is, um, he did pass from COVID, uh, this last year. Um, so he's not with us anymore, but. And I want to ask one question. Mm -hmm. Did your father just physically abuse and mentally torture you or did it include something else? No, it was every kind of abuse that man could. Um, due to not just me, to, to many people, there were many women and children um, who were his victims. And that's on the physical, the emotional, the sexual fronts, all of them. Um, he was an high, a highly, highly abusive individual. And he, he said he was very intelligent. Like he had, uh, when he had passed, he had numerous degrees. Uh, granted, he was also um, in custody, uh, you know, for the things that he had done. Um uh, you know, we won't go into that today, but, you know, he definitely was a very, very smart man, which made a very scary man to stand up to, right? You're riding down your bicycle and you think he's gone, but here he is in a car next to you picking you up. And now, you know, your mom's saying you've been kidnapped you, and you can't get back. Um, so really crazy, um, absurd and large things, um, you know, between that and then I had a home. I go when I wasn't anywhere near him. Um, I would be with my mother. Unfortunately, she didn't know that her her partner at the time, uh, my ex-stepfather, uh, was a abuser as well. Um, him of the sexual type. Uh, and she, you know, she had, she didn't have a clue. Um, it's really weird. In the mind of a child, you know, looking back, it's like, why didn't you tell your mom? You know, and I've thought about it many times and I can remember my thought in that moment. Of when I realized, oh, you know, when I was six and a half, what was going on, you know, with, with him, I, I had realized, you know, what those things work. You don't necessarily just wake up one day and go, oh, that's bad. You're like, was that on purpose? Did that person mean to touch me? Was that an accidental brush against me? Because it always starts that way, right? Not Maybe not always, but at least oftentimes it definitely has been known to start very gradually. So you wonder if it's an accident. By the time you realize, hey, no, I think they're grabbing me on purpose. You know, um, you have this big decision to make. You know, are you going to tell? And uh, I can remember distinctly deciding that I was not going to. Uh, And although it got worse, progressively worse, it definitely got worse. um, I can remember even through that escalation process thinking to myself, at least my mom is not being beaten and being afraid that if I had went back and told my mom what was happening, um, and my sister had the same fear, that if we had told that our mom would go back to her dad and be fighting for her life every day again, right? So we, in our tiny minds, thought that we were somehow shouldering this extreme abuse um, so that she wouldn't have to shoulder extreme abuse, right? And so... um, it was this very weird dynamic, and, and it's strange that I can remember that thought process exactly for why I never said anything when I have amnesia around some of those memories. Um, some of it's blocked out. My brain just really 
don't want to remember every single thing. And quite frankly, I don't blame it. Who would? Why would it want to remember those things, right? I know. Um, some of it's so bad. So, I mean, I'm, like, I'm glad that I don't in some ways, but I have been working um, with, you know, a brain work, brain work recruitment therapist um, to try to unlock those memories in a safe way and get them neutralized emotionally. And with too much success, actually, that's been probably the most successful treatment that I've personally encountered. Um, but yeah, so there was abuse in all the houses that I'd went to. And then having this mindset of even my grandparents, like all the houses I went to, literally there was something not child-friendly, uh, very much um, over-the-top, uh, you know, either emotionally over-the-top, like forcing emotional triggers that shouldn't exist, emotional abuse, um, or very over the, like I could walk into my grandfather's house, for example, as a kid, walk into the living room front door, hey, I'm coming over for the, week, for the weekend, and on the big flat screen TV they had, you know, pornography be playing. Like, it was nothing. It was just in the living room. And I'm just walking in, like, okay, keep walking. Just keep walking. Don't stop. Don't make eye contact. Just keep going. <laughs> get, get wow. Go really fast, and maybe no one will see you. And you can just slip off. At least there, there's no one here going to touch you. So I would still go uh, just to escape the hell that was my house or my dad's house or anywhere else. And so... Um, or rather whatever place he was randomly staying at. And, um, you know, so there was a lot of this trauma that came from being assaulted. I mean, truthfully, if I had to sit down and say, like, in my childhood, how many grown people, because their friends would get involved, how many adults do I think would be in jail right now? Like, or had, had seen jail time for a long time? You know, I'd say easily half a dozen. Um, very easily because it seemed to be a cultural thing like people didn't believe you or if if you did try to tell somebody then the consensus was that you were probably not telling the truth um at least that's what I saw my other friends going through right um as a kid the few that would speak up to being physically or sexually assaulted they wouldn't be believed and they would get it worse and um you know and I was always afraid my mom would get in trouble for something she didn't even know about um you know so I just Definitely kept my mouth shut to protect her, uh, at least until, um, so I was 16 and my sister was 15. She decided to tell my mom, uh, hey, look, this has been going on for nine years and I can't take it anymore because my sister, she threw a pot of boiling water. She was at the stove and our ex-stepdad decided he was going to walk up behind her and grab her. She took the boiling hot water and threw it on his face. Um, and I wasn't mad about it. Why would I be mad about it? You know, uh, my mom, though, needed an explanation. And um, so my sister is finally broke down and told my mom, like, hey, look, here's, you know, what's been going on. And um, and my mom had told her to go stay with her friend. So uh, my mom did not believe her. Now, granted, she was a rebel child, but she was definitely telling the truth. And so when I came home, my mom said to me, she's like, can you believe she said this? You know, I told her to go stay with her friend, yada, yada. And I was just like, mom, like, that she's not lying, you know? And I can remember just the look of terror in my mom's face. Because she, too, um, when she was younger, she was sexually abused. Um, she, hers wasn't really, she was raped. Uh, like, it was a one-time instance from my understanding. Of course, that's, I wasn't there. That's what my mom said. And um, we went through a legal proceeding, all of that. Um, but with my mom, like, 
I could just see the fear in her eyes of thinking, oh my God, that one time that traumatized me the way it did, you know, it's been happening under my nose here to, you know, my daughter. So I just watched, like, she just broke. She totally broke down. Um, like, I can remember her just not leaving our living room and just praying and crying for days on end, uh, months on end. Like, it was just Groundhog Day. Go in the living room, and there is my mom just broke down. And we were okay because we've been dealing with it for all these years. We were relieved, actually, that he was, you know, gone. Because, uh, obviously, he didn't come back there for fear <laughs> fear of, you know, like, of ever, literally everything, um, any kind of repercussion. And, you know, now people knew what was going to do. So he disappeared, but... You know, my mom, she, she really broke down. Um, you know, ask, I, I can remember asking her, like, hey, what's going to happen now that we've, you know, told you that this has been going on? Like, I can remember asking and her explaining to me, and it took her a long time to explain to me finally um, why she chose the things she chose. But I knew she had been raped when she was younger because she had told me before, you know, there was a court thing she told me. Uh, but one day she actually sat down and she really explained to me why we weren't taking it to the authorities. Um, and her opinion was that when she was when she was young, she had experienced rape and was put through the legal system. And the opposing attorney doing his job to make sure that she was being truthful came at her and tried to paint her as a liar. It was highly traumatic for my mother um, due to the fact that she was telling the truth. So because of that experience... Um, it had and she was her. around, I'm sorry, she was around 13. Mm-hmm. As far as I, as far as I'm aware, that's what I remember her saying to me. Yes. Okay. Um, I can always double check that if it becomes valid, you know, like if it becomes like, um, but I just approximately when it happened, she was 13 and then she was on trial at least shortly after that or around that time. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was right around that age of 13. Um, but I okay. can definitely clarify that for you if it ever we need to. But it was right around that age. Yes. And she had went, um, you know, she was up there on the stand and I could just see even just her telling me about, you know, the experience, how even to that day it had still really bothered her um, quite a lot. Like I could just see it was difficult for her still to talk about the courtroom and the proceedings and and how, what that experience was like to be up on that stand. So it made me very, it made me feel better in a way that she wasn't putting me through it, to be honest. Um, because at that moment, I wasn't thinking, oh, okay, as a, you know, a minor child, oh, I need to get this guy off the street. I was thinking, okay, you know what? You're right. I've been through enough. Because that's also a true statement, right? I've been through enough. I didn't need more of that. Unfortunately, abuse continued into my adulthood. We'll talk a bit about that. But I think it's really important to focus on, you know, why did this person get left on the street? Like, what, what is the underlying, why do we have so many unreported cases of this stuff going on? And because she had sat down and explained to me, I started realizing, and I started asking other people in, in my adult life, and I was curious about these things, um, and, and, you know, how other people were coping and dealing with it. So one of the things I asked, well, did he go to jail, you know, or did she go to jail or? you know, what happened? And, you know, they would always say, no, it's unreported. I didn't want to go to the court. I didn't want to have to tell in front of judges and jury and courtrooms all about these things. And, and so I found that that is a very big reason for why, right? Uh, unfortunately, it leaves the people on, on the streets too, though. So it does still make for an unsafe environment uh, later if they don't 
change their ways. But, you know, I could tell from my mom that that was something that had been really, really traumatic for her um, to do. And so it had led her to this decision, this place of not wanting to put her own daughters through that, um, which, you know, I, I both appreciate and, you know, kind of wonder what would happen in the other direction. Um, but yeah, so there was this overwhelming consensus that it was just not a good idea to take this particular kind of thing um, to to the authorities, right? And um, I know now, of course, that I was a kid at the time, that that's definitely not the way that we need to approach and deal with those kinds of things. We can't make the world safer uh, by fully avoiding that. Um, although I would love to see some things put in place um, that make it a little bit easier for victims, um, you know, to be able to tell their stories and not need to be interrogated so hard to find out if they're being truthful, whether that's specialist or whatever, that would be a wonderful thing to have. Um, but yeah, so moving, moving past that. Um, One more I thing. Can... I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. One other thing is uh, when you were telling me, you said that today they have minors in some states or some cities behind uh, or tell it, they're on uh, like uh, they're videotaped. Maybe they don't yeah. have to stand before a minor. Can That's you explain right that a little bit? Sure. Of course. So, for that, the way I know that information is due to, so I told you my father had passed. He he passed of COVID, um, but he was in custody, as I've mentioned. Um, so I have siblings who are still in state custody uh, because they were pulled away from him because it, he got caught abusing them as well. Um, I never knew where he was to be able to report him just to have him checked. I tried forever to find him to do that I didn't trust him with children for obvious reasons I'm a biological a biological dad and I said that it was everywhere but he was definitely a big player in that too and um and so he ended up getting caught with them they go and um they take the kids and some of them were in state there were five minors at the time in the home um so my half sisters adopted sister you know and then my half-brother and half-sister, and um, so there were five kids. I took them, and then when they had to give their testimony, I remember that they were able, I don't know if it was due to COVID, because this happened during pandemic, when it's at the height of, of that, mm, okay. but I do know that they were able to do it, and they told me that the workers had told me that, because um, I was their older sister, I was helping uh, with them, um, and they had told me that it was you know, they painted it to me like it was going to help reduce for them the traumatic experience of testifying. But I don't know if it was because of COVID that that was happening or if it was because that's built into the system as a current thing. I truthfully don't know if it's like that all the time or just for pandemic. Um, I'm honestly, I'm not really sure. Okay. Thank you for explaining that for me. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. I knew though I'm very, very grateful that they got to do that um, because their experience you know, the way that I saw my mom looking at me when she was telling me about how awful it was to be on the stand versus how my siblings, you know, that I see, I'm watching them grow, you know, how I've seen them um, after they had done their testimony with it being on the camera. I do know that I didn't see anywhere near the level of trauma just from having told their story. 
that I did see with my mom. Like, years and years later with my mom, she was still very affected by telling the story. But when my siblings told me that they had, you know, gave their testimony on camera, they were, they were fine about it. They just told me in passing, like, yeah, I took a shower today or something just random and, and nonchalant, right? So it was much easier on them. So I do hope the system functions that way uh, now. Yes. But I'm, but I'm not really sure. It could just be a minor thing. It could be a COVID thing. All I know is it was a very positive change from what I had seen uh, with my mom versus them in, you know, watching, having seen both effects of testifying. So I'm still grateful for that. Yes. Um, Thank you. You're very welcome. And so my dad's passing, that was more recent. So it brings us up into more of my, um, more into my adult life. Uh, so obviously, abuse continued, um, but it was a bit different. I got into a marriage, ended up being abusive uh, because he got on medication the doctor gave him, couldn't control it. And so that's when I experienced the bulk of physical abuse. Uh, most of my childhood had been some physical, a lot emotional, a lot sexual, and then physical was just mostly most of my biological dad. Uh, and he's the one who was super physically abusive also like the one that would make you hold an electric fence because you made him mad um so you know there's he was he was more of a physical one but once I became an adult and I got married I, I did find that I ended up in a situation where again there was abuse uh, both sexual and uh, physical uh, which is not great uh, for sure but it definitely increased my complex PTSD um, by insurmountable, like just insane, uh, just insane volume. Just, it blew it up to a point where it's nearly unmanageable sometimes. And um, so I did have to get away from that and start doing restructuring and start with the BWRT therapy that I mentioned earlier. Uh, That definitely helped a lot. I I still have a lot of um, night terrors. I still have a lot of a lot of anxiety. So I have a lot of difficulty um, with things that are triggering. For example, I can't watch TV freely, right? Uh, because I don't know what will come on there. It could trigger me very easily because the things I've been through are really twisted and weird and strange. And, you know, they're the kind of things that you would see in a horror film, right? And so I don't watch those. I don't listen to the radio really because music can also be quite triggering for me something I'm still working on um you know I found that the more questions I ask the more people I ask have you ever experienced this I'm finding that most of the women I ask have you been sexually assaulted or were you as a child a lot of them say yeah most of them tell me yes I ask men have you ever experienced abuse and they'll tell me yeah, my dad used to hit me with wrenches or bricks or, you know, ball bats or whatever, like this extreme physical abuse. I hear that often too. And um, so I do think there was definitely, definitely generations who went through this very extreme, extreme abuse. Um, Unfortunately, the result of living in that fight, flight, freeze mode, um, your cortisol goes all off and it gives you all kinds of problems in the body. Um, it's a hormone that's built for dealing with stress, but it's also meant, you're not meant to just keep pumping out super high levels of that constantly, right? They say stress kills for a reason. 
Um, and so definitely causes a lot of effect on the body. Um, and unfortunately, I was no stranger to that. Um, so I've experienced a lot of, of very odd things, you know, and if, if I could tell anyone anything, it's that, you know, even though it sounds horrible, you know, to have been abused in every single house you went to, because I just lived in this weird backwoods place where that seemed to be a thing for some reason. It was just an unspoken way that things were. Um, I know that some people experience that with physical stuff where the whole area is just physically abusive. I know some people experience that in areas where the whole area is just sexually abusive. Um, but what I would like to, you know, make sure that the viewers and listeners here today know is that there are so many forms of help. Um, there are so many. And what works for one doesn't work for the other all the time. Um, and so you just have to find something that works for you. You know, be your, be your best self and know that your past doesn't control or create your future, that you do have a say in that, you know, that there are uh, places that will help you. There are definitely people who have been through it. You're not alone, although it feels very isolating. So that was the biggest thing for me. That's why I started modeling, even nude modeling for, um, was as a form of therapy, um, because I felt so alone. And I can tell you that what I found is that I am probably one of the least alone people on the planet because statistically from everyone I ask, right, most people have experienced some form of abuse and a lot of them in very severe fashions. And so alone is something you're definitely, definitely never going to be and you aren't. So um, the other thing I found that helped a ton, and this is going to sound so crazy, uh, I told you that I got married uh, and the man I was married to, he ended up on medication from a doctor he couldn't control. And so um, I was introduced uh, unwillingly uh, to the 12-step program. Um, and so I paid attention and tried to learn it uh, just because it was something that it was something I needed to know for his sake, right? And then I also had a lot of addicts in, in my family personally, so I thought it couldn't hurt anything to learn, right? And um, what I found was that once I left him and all the trauma really started flooding, because that's when it floods in. It's when you get away from the high cortisol-inducing situations, and you can really, really have it flood in hard. And I started using those 12 steps. It sounds so insane, but it helped tremendously with my trauma. I went from panicking literally every 60 seconds, needing to call somebody to keep them on the phone with me because I was just so afraid. Um, when I first had left, when I, that peak complex portion was really kicking in super, super hard um, from having left uh, the man I was married to. It helped me uh, be able to get through and past that and even start healing some of the trauma. So it's also another really great avenue um, that could be um, checked out. Mm -hmm. You know what? I have really appreciated your honesty, your openness, our hearts, and uh, everything that we have is pouring out towards you. And we also are strengthened by you. There will be a part two audience. Then I will ask her questions about what she has uh, gone through, a little more details and questions about what she has said. I appreciate Nicole. I appreciate all my guests. I know that the audience is wondering about 
so many of things that you have stated uh, because I am also, but I wanted you to get it out because it's so much, you've gone through so much and uh, I'm sorry that you went through all of that. And this is why I'm having the podcast to make people know that they are not alone. We are not our secrets. Thank you for listening. I'm JJ. Have a great day.